Thank you for joining us tonight. And you know, we do not like to disappoint. Do we, Rebecca? Absolutely not. We never, never, Absolutely ever, ever, not. ever like to disappoint. And I promise you, tonight is no exception. <laughs> so you may recognize a couple of these faces. You recognize them? Well, if you don't recognize them, let me remind you. They are with the Houston Ebony Opera Guild and friends of the Houston Ebony Opera Guild. We have Dr. Jason Obi as well as Patricia Gregory. Give them a hand. Yay. That's our studio audience. <laughs> but we're gearing up for this year's annual African-American Music Gala for the 2024 year. And they came by to tell us exactly what we're going to be in store for what's going to be in store for us this year and what we can expect and a little bit about the background of the guild. Let's start with Dr. Obi. Dr. Obi, introduce yourself. I know I didn't do it right, so you do you it for me. You did just fine. <laughs> My name is Jason Obi, and I am the artistic director of the Houston Ebony Opera Guild. And Patricia? Uh, I'm Patricia Gregory, and I am a member of the Friends of Houston Ebony Opera Guild. And a lot of uh, groups refer to their groups like us as auxiliaries, but I like to say we are the support group. Yeah. Support group. I'm glad you brought that up. So exactly what, what does a support group do? A little of everything. <laughs> we try to be as helpful as we can. Um, advertising, ticket sales, uh, more advertising, <laughs> more ticket sales. I got and, it. Yeah. Um, in any way that we can be of assistance to uh, the group so to make that job easier. Okay. Right. And Dr. Obi, people started asking me this whenever I talk about the guild. First of all, people are surprised. People are still surprised in this day and age in Houston that there is an Ebony Opera Guild. Tell me about the genesis of the Houston Ebony Opera Guild. Well, the group was founded by a man by the name of Robert Henry who was a faculty member at Prairie View A&M University. Okay. <laughs> and at that time, he had a, a very highly talented group of singers in his uh, studio in, among his students there. Okay. And he also believed that there were not sufficient opportunities for them to exhibit their talent on a professional level. Okay. So he started this organization uh, as a vehicle for them to have uh, performance opportunities and to have their talents exposed. Right. That's how it came about. Over the years, and uh, our uh, recently uh, departed uh, chairman of our board uh, assisted with that founding group of singers to assist with the incorporation of the group and so forth, and they began to do regular concerts. And uh, now we are uh, really one of the primary sources for classical music in, in Houston. Oh, wow. That That is absolutely amazing. And the thing is, I know that uh, the last time that you all were here, we were just talking about how few guilds there are for uh, um, African-American guilds across the country. You named you named a few. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other ones that are existent? 
Well, the ones that come to mind, uh, there's one in New York, which Wayne Sanders and uh, his longtime partner, Ben Matthews, were a part of. of. Um, I think that they had one with um, Phyllis, I can't think of her last name right now, in in, um, in Mississippi, I guess. Okay. Uh, but just a very small handful, as you indicate, that are really dedicated to opera performance. Right. And there's some choral guilds around as well. You know, last year, you all really gave us uh, you know, sort of a baptism by fire, if you will, of of um, what uh, opera and the presence of opera in the African-American community has been. And you were telling me a little bit about your background. You knew that you loved opera as a young person. <laughs> and tell me, you were telling us about your dad taking you to school and, and, and that. Tell us a little bit about how you became involved in opera. Well, um, as a high school student, I went to a school sort of along the same lines of the HSPVA here in Houston, a magnet school. And this was where? In Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And Baton That Rouge. was dedicated to the, to the arts. Okay. And at that time, my chosen profession to study was, was uh, the fine arts, painting. And that's something that I continue as an avocation today. And maybe okay. when I retire, I'll go back to it full time. But... Um, <laughs> I got to high school and got towards the end. And mm -hmm. um, at that time, they would not let you graduate early. I'd finished all my required courses and I had to be in school another semester. And I did not want to go to high math. I didn't want to go past algebra. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided you to get in. <laughs> I got into <laughs> choir. And uh, that is when uh, 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 ex-nun by the name of Cecile Rochense took a great interest in me and I started going and winning Nats competitions and things like that. Then I went to a Jesuit college, Loyola mm -hmm. University in New Orleans. Okay. I did not graduate from there. I graduated from the Manhattan School of Music. But um, she got me there uh, and I got a music scholarship, but I did not get an art scholarship. And over time, music kind of took over. And then I went to conservatory and eventually got a doctoral degree and all those things and had some, luckily, uh, knock on wood, some substantial performance opportunities. So um, I've been very fortunate. And tell us how you came by way of Houston to the Ebony Opera Guild or vice versa. Well, I came to Houston in 1996 as a young assistant professor. Uh, just the ink was not dry on my uh, <laughs> on my terminal degree. Mm -hmm. And I remember very clearly uh, Clyde Jackson, uh, departed Clyde Jackson, who was such an important part of the Guild for a long time and a great music lover and really a trailblazer in Houston in a lot of ways. Sometimes we can talk more about him. Uh, walked into my office one day and told me about the Opera Guild and that um, he was dispatched to talk to me and to get me involved. And I've been very fortunate uh, that the Opera Guild has been a very consistent fixture in my life since my early years in Houston. Right. And, you know, I was very uh, fortunate to have sung uh, leading roles on the Miller stage uh, when we were doing full staged operas with orchestra. Wow. Uh, and um, then I became involved in an advisory board. Remember, we used to have that advisory yes. board that would give, you know, advice about things. And there were different people from different professions on that board. Okay. Then I became a program director that would assist in planning uh, individual programs. Right. And then at some point, I can't remember when, they gave me the title of artistic director. So I've been involved in everything 
um, uh, having to do with the guild probably for the last decade or so. He was not given that title. He earned it. He earned it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, 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 you know, it's it's interesting to me. And Rebecca just said something right before we got started. Mm. She said she said something that probably re can res resonates with a lot of other people. Tell us how you found found opera, and um, you 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 said a little something there that. Uh, that probably a lot of our middle school students, <laughs> the age groups that we teach, it would be something that they could relate to. And what did you say about um, how you were introduced? Well, okay. So I, I've i been culturally connected for a long time. Symphony, jazz, opera was really one of the only genre genres of music that I actually hated. Like I couldn't, it just I just could not. But you said you were introduced before. Yeah, before, right. So my mom... My mom had tickets to the Ebony Opera Guild. Yes. And she was like, oh, I have something cultural for us to do this weekend. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I'm big on culture. So she was like, you, we're going to the opera. I said, no, you're going to the opera. I'm not sitting through that. She was like, oh, you thought I was asking. No, we're going. <laughs> and I was just like, mom, I hate opera. Why would you even get tickets without even consulting me? And she was like, again, <laughs> you thought I was asking. Uh -huh. So we went to the ever. Matter of fact, it was the performance at Wheeler Avenue Baptist Church. Uh -huh. We went to that performance. And that's a yearly, is that a yearly performance too that you all do? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, I mean, it's For not black always, history. It's not always at Wheeler Avenue okay. Baptist Church. It's at different places. Mm -hmm. um, you know, June we're... Juneteenth. For the Juneteenth, okay. Was that the concert that you saw? Maybe, okay. I, yeah. But it was at Wheeler. Okay. And I went, and I was sit there with my mouth poked out, like I can't believe she brought me here. And then it started. And then it started, <laughs> and I was just enthralled. Mm. Like I was like, now I had this particular opera happen when I was younger, then I would have had more of an appreciation for it. But it was actually through the Ebony Opera Guild that I have an uh, now I have an appreciation, appreciation for it. But you were introduced. Yeah. And 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 Patricia and Dr. Obi, how we know that that in Houston right now, um <clears throat> you know many people say the arts it's it's not a Anything that has to do with the arts is not necessarily a priority in education right now. However, mm -hmm. we know differently and we know how the arts really speak into the, the 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 spirit of many of our students to even get them motivated to do other things as far as education is mm -hmm. concerned. How important is it, do you all feel that it is that we are able to um, retain budgets for, for art and uh, and performance in public schools? Well, I mean, that's hard. I mean, of course, public schools as a whole uh, are somewhat under attack, I would say, in this current political climate Yes. Um, to for funding, not just for arts, but for all manner of things. And right. the, the, the favor, especially in Texas, and y'all don't come for me, Texas politicians, but <laughs> uh, is to uh, privatize, privatize yeah. and yes. to uh, give priority, even the voucher system and all those things that they're trying to do, right. which... Uh, make public education in general suffer. I just wanted to put a pen in something and go back just a little bit in the conversation mm -hmm. so that we can clarify the difference between 
opera mm-hmm. in the sense that people are staged and acting and singing uh, stories uh, with operatic voices right. and operatic voices singing all manner of music. Okay. So um, with the Opera Guild, which Pat may be able to correct me, which was a uh, title that the founder uh, devised, um, we don't always sing opera, right? We sing concert music and oratorial music and right. great anthems and spirituals and all those things. It's not necessarily uh, just opera, although we do have operatic ep- excerpts, concerts, and we have had fully staged uh, programs of opera that we've done, for example, in the Miller Outdoor Theater. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you clarified that because <laughs> Me when, too. when people yeah. hear Ebony Opera Guild, that's what they hear. They like, think they're coming to an opera. opera. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad that was clarified. And I remember you all for the last couple of years, you've had a um, you've had a um, a um, um, residence at, at my church, the Highway Church, where you all come and perform around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yes, and like you said, it's not just um, it's not just uh, it's not an opera. It's not a play where people are singing opera. It's all genres that are performed in operatic voices. Correct. Just like yeah. you said. And yes. Last year, I uh, went to a middle school with a- Antoine. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And um, he explained what he was going to do, told them about the excerpt that he was going to sing. Okay. And uh, he he uh, there were three different lunch times. Right. So he did it for three different groups of uh, middle school children. Initially, I thought this was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I know what lunchtime is like at a middle school. Yes. Yes. Crazy. Insane. The first group was pretty good. They sat through it. Probably sixth grade. Probably sixth grade, of course. And and they were some of the special education children. Okay. Okay. But they were more respected. Exactly. The second group it was a uh, kind of anyway, <laughs> and that was probably eighth but grade. But after that group, mm-hmm. there was one girl who came up to talk to him. Yes, and she was planning to apply for uh, uh, HSPB. Yeah, mm-hmm. and with the third group, the table right in front of Edwin right was all boys. Wow! And when he started to sing, they fell on the floor. Like, oh my that goodness! Was seventh grade. No, that's that was that age, and you know grade. the thing about it—that's that was, age. That's but seventh grade. At the end of that group, of that uh, session, mm-hmm. there was another girl who came up to talk to him mm-hmm. about going to HSPVA. Right. And then I decided it was worth it if we got to two. Two kids. That's right. And the thing is, I think children, you know, especially you know, our kids, they're only introduced to one type of music and that's mm-hmm. hip hop and rap. And they don't really have an appreciation for anything outside of that because they haven't been exposed to it. And you remember Rebecca last year when Antoine was here, he said he was the same way. He wanted to be a rapper. Right. He said, I wanted to be a rapper. Yeah. And someone else, a, a, a teacher noticed my gift Mm -hmm. he said but i didn't want to hear anything about opera i wanted to be a rapper yeah and julie when julie came and sat with us last year julie jackson she said you know in middle school i would not even tell anyone i was interested in opera because it's that stigma 
in right. that age. And these are two of, you know, uh, some of the most accomplished uh, members of the guild. But the now. stigma is because of lack of exposure. That's absolutely so right. So that's why they have the stigma. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's true. And I think at the age group that we're talking about, they want to be cool. They want to be <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Of they be and I don't know that yes. it's necessarily just because they are African-American kids, but because that popular ages, culture yeah. is... Yeah is so pervasive it sure is and kids don't want to be doing anything that's different from what they think right. the other kids are going the to right. we stick with last year we're not african-american kids. right no exactly yeah. urban kids let's just say urban kids yeah that's right i have to tell you uh, this story <laughs> when i was just getting involved in classical singing mm -hmm. you know and typically uh, young singers start out singing little italian songs mm -hmm. uh, and they're in a, in a book that everybody knows, right? Uh, the 24 Italian songs book. So the same uh, teacher in high school who'd given me these uh, songs and I'd be in the bathroom singing my little <laughs> Cal Romeo Ben or whatever it was. <laughs> and my dad, who's now 91, about to be 92, wow. thought he was being funny, came and knocked on the door. Son, you okay? I'll call a doctor for you if I need to. You okay? <laughs> And you were in there singing. I was in there singing. So you must be in pain. Let me call. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, like like I said, it's interesting. But by the time they get to eighth grade and they're, they're, they're starting to think more about where they may want to pursue their high school career and they do have talent. And especially if there has been a teacher who has been... Um, even if it's not a course teacher, a, a theater or any teacher who has been able to push them into their gift, you find them less uh, concerned about what others think. That's true. And you see, I could tell the grade levels by the description. Absolutely. Like, it was just like, like, oh, okay, I know what. Absolutely. Yeah, when she was like, they were kind of calm. And I was like, oh, that's eighth grade. But when she said they fell on the floor laughing, I just yeah, knew. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that age. <laughs> now, um, Dr. Obi and Patricia, Every year, you all have a different uh, theme for the gala. And this year, tell us about the theme. Well, I'm going to defer to when our guest conductor comes on so he can Ooh. tell you about all the programming, which were really his choices. Yes. Um, and um, it's a very exciting program. Okay. And I, I don't want to spoil it, but okay. <laughs> uh, there are some really great things that are rarely heard, particularly... Uh, a piece by Julia Perry, who's an African-American woman composer, uh, and, and other things, too, that I think are just real treats that are not uh, often heard. Yes. So I'll, I'll save that for you all to let uh, uh, Maestro McDaniel uh, give you give you those tidbits and to give you some background about those pieces, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely not. But I do I do want to uh, want to say this. Um Last year, when uh, when you all came uh, up and, and joined me on the podcast, I know that there were, I'm going to say, uh, Julie and Antoine, and you were there, Dr. Obi, and there was one other person. Patricia, I don't think you were there for that. You were there for a different podcast. We did something yeah. different. But, um, but one thing that you told us, and this stuck with me because I didn't even realize this. You all perform numbers and arrangements that are, have been composed by people 
African-American people who are still living. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We and, do. you know, when you think about opera, you're thinking about back in back in the day. Yes. Right. Exactly. And oftentimes you think that they must be in a foreign language. That's right. Neither of those are necessarily the case. Yes. So, um, you know, when we think about typical grand opera, you're thinking about Verdi or Puccini exactly. or right. people exactly. like that. And yes. I think that's a part of what... And on the African-American side, Paul Robeson. Well, Paul Robeson was a great was singer, a uh, of yeah. course. Yeah. But, but, you know, I think that the former that I discussed, these are things that do separate people because it's exactly. a different time period. It's a different yes. country. It's a different language. They it's a different relate. everything yes. that they don't see the connection. They don't see themselves Absolutely. Uh, in that. Um, but, you know, uh, just before we started, I was talking with um, your producer and he was saying that he went to an opera the first time, the first to, time. to see Falstaff and how much he enjoyed it. Yes, There was another opera performed at HGO uh, in this season uh, called Intelligence that was a, a true, uh, based on a true story about an African-American woman in the South. Wow. Uh, so, you know, and I could name, you know, many, uh, if I sat here and thought about it, there's some operas even composed by Black composers, right. such as Strimanisha of, of uh, Scott Joplin is one example. Um, and, you know, if I sat here and scratched my head for a few minutes, I could think of uh, several more. But, you know, no more is it just the uh, the the stronghold of uh, 19th century Europe. Exactly, um, it, it's a lot more to it. Exactly. So let me ask you a question: mm -hmm. Do um, are there starting to be since we're talking about exposure and we're talking about the different genres? Um, what about have y'all seen where maybe millennials or Gen Z have they you know started do the, or have they started to compose opera pieces oh, absolutely there are a lot of younger uh people who are composing now and their pieces are being debuted all over the country that's awesome so i'm thinking particularly uh one that comes to mind right away is uh damian gator who's a very interesting young composer and i'm sure greg probably knows more because i'm not as connected to it as i used to be but there uh there are a number of them who are, are working and having their pieces exposed uh now um, there was a composer in residence uh, here at HGO, uh, uh, Joel Thompson is his name, and, and one of his pieces was performed, uh, I guess, last season. So, um, and you know, I'm talking on the cuff, but mm -hmm. if I sat and had to do a paper about it, I'd sit <laughs> and take some notes and then I'd, I'd come up with some more names. So there, there are quite several that are having national reputations and the, now. And I, the reason I ask, because when you think, like you said, when you think about opera and you think about it in those songs a lot of time terms you think about like older yes like you think about the yeah. marion anderson's the you don't really get past so i was wondering are, are there and you answered it of course are there a new generation of composers and singers i think so especially as these younger composers take on the stories that they relate to and they just express them in an operatic context. Yes. So, um, you know, and I can understand, um, you know, you mentioned the names of some great uh, performers from uh, the mid century, I would say, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, and for example, um, HEOG along with HGO and Wheeler Avenue church uh, in February of 2023 participated in a big mass choir 
Forgiving Voice mm-hmm. uh, was the name of the concert. And that they were all black composers, uh, not excuse me, composers, performers uh, right. on the concert. And uh, they honored George Shirley. And George Shirley was the first, let me take, be, speak very carefully, the first African-American man to sing a leading role as a romantic lead at the Metropolitan Opera. Uh, before him was uh, Marian Anderson. Okay. And just after Marian Anderson was Robert McFerrin. Robert McFerrin is the father of Bobby McFerrin. McFerrin. I was going to say, wait okay. a second. That I was like, yeah, that name sounds very familiar. Yeah, people can relate to Bobby. Okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there are all kinds of connections uh, that can be made there. And many of them go back to you know, African-American community, but I can even say even before that, we can go to the turn of the century, turn of the last century, not the last one, the one before last, <laughs> 19th, going into 20th, and talk about people like Ciceretta Jones and, um, uh, you know, others that were really pioneers uh, in terms of Black people singing uh, in the classical music and singing um, operatically. Now, there were not so many opportunities for Black singers in the United States. They had to go overseas. They to went Europe, overseas. Wow. Those areas. I do remember reading that. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. You know, Dr. Obi, before we got started, um, you, you and I were talking and I was kind of telling you about some of the uh, some of the questions that I'm asked when people uh, found out that we interviewed uh, the uh, members of the Guild and the uh, Friends of the Guild last year. They started asking a lot of questions at school. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they asked was, how do you all do you how do you develop your talent when we get to see the guild we see the the the, the finished uh, product the, the finished product mm-hmm. but do you all go in and do you have a developmental uh leg of the guild where you develop them from 12 13 14 years old how do you all get your members well a couple of answers to that question and pat may be able to go deeper into it but um, we have talked a lot over the years that I've been involved about something like that, having high school outreach and things like that. And occasionally those opportunities have come to, to us, just as she was describing, going to the school with Antoine and having them sing and things like that. Right. Those kinds of things we've done. We regularly have participated in, I don't know what the young professional, young black professionals group is, that we send a group of uh, singers in to orient them. But these are young adults who right. mm-hmm. want to have some education and, and culture and things of that nature. Okay. But we do not have a regular kind of development arm for talent. Okay. Now, we used to have yeah, uh, a, a summer program mm-hmm. uh, where it was a, a young artist program. But these are young artists, usually people who'd already finished a master's degree. And uh, Willie Waters was over that. Willie is still alive, but uh, has had some health problems and is not available to us uh, anymore. But um, that is something that we should think about. Now, let me just stick into here Mm -hmm. that the Ebony Opera Guild is a largely volunteer organization. Okay. Okay. And staff members such as myself, you know, are paid and course members Mm -hmm. are paid but it is not a salaried kind of a thing. Right. So people who uh, are working, um, you know, are working at an ad hoc kind of basis. Right. So we don't have, we have wonderful volunteers like Pat here and and like Mary, who we sadly lost recently uh, and others who keep the organization going. Yes. Um, But in terms of having uh, a development arm, 
the organization does not have the administrative capacity to sustain that. At this okay. point. At this point. At this point. There you go. Yes. For instance, Crystal. Yes. When I said that we supported, mm -hmm. when those students were here, right, they were studying at a Houston Grand Opera also. Mm -hmm. Wow. And there would be three or four of us, and we would be chauffeurs. <laughs> we, yeah. We would make gotcha. sure that they made it to every one of those right. uh, performances. Uh, performances. Right. Uh, if they were studying with somebody that day, whatever they needed to do, we made sure. Airport that they trips, got you there. guys did all of that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But but uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, you uh, said something about the uh, concerts or the major concerts being different each year. Yes. And I think that is a very large reason why uh, many people continue to come. Absolutely. They know themed. that they They're will themed. not see yes. the same thing That's every right. year. That's right. right. That mm -hmm. we work hard uh, the, the Houston Ebony Opera Guild works yes. hard at making these uh, programs unique, absolutely, and interesting. Yes, so that people will always want to come. What What are they going to do this year? Exactly. Now, tell me what we're looking at here, Doctor Obi. I know that <laughs> it looks like some of your members, uh, your your members, get out into the community and they make appearances at different at, at different other. Um, talk shows and radio shows promoting yeah. the guilds. And uh, it looks like it's a certain, maybe uh, within the guild, are there are there different branches? Are there certain uh, groups that kind of uh, learn about each other and befriend each other and they go and they uh, perform well, and this, promote the guild in that manner? Well, this particular uh, photograph is from uh, a radio program, mm -hmm. uh, KUHF, that we used to have, uh, but no longer exists, mm -hmm. uh, called The Front Row. Okay. And The Front Row would uh, highlight, just as you're doing here, uh, but different events in uh, culture that were happening in Houston. Um, and this particular thing is a quartet in the old, old gospel quartet style uh, of male quartets, you know. Okay. Uh, and this is what they were doing. This was a very, very wonderful, exciting uh, program. And in fact, uh, it was so often, it was so well received when it was done that there were uh, many um, uh, opportunities for us to repeat uh, that particular portion of that concert. So, yeah. uh, you know, many people are very nostalgic about the African American African-American male quartets as those in the 1940s and things like that. Yes. And uh, John Cornelius, who is a composer and who is uh, on the faculty at Prairie View and University, uh, arranged those uh, quartets, which okay. were sung as a part of that particular concert. And you can look at it and tell it spans the generations. I see, I see people looks like in their twenties in here and then someone's hair is a little bit gray in here. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, you've got a generational uh, thing going there. Yeah. Members, I, I, noticed I, that think, too in I think in a, one or two of those cases, only Ms. Clarell knows for sure, but we'll, <laughs> we'll leave it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You heard it here. I'm you just kidding. And how about this? I had to pull this one. Tell us about that. That is Mr. Dorsey Duckins. Yes. Oh my God. And His I believe. Garb. 
he yes. is singing um, Otello in yes. that picture. Yes. Uh-huh. And he was actually in the actual play. Well, this would oh, be an that, opera. Uh, yeah, uh, and yes. it was done it's in the opera. Miller Outdoor Theater. This, this is probably was, what 1996 or something, something like that, because that this was when I first uh, yeah. came to Houston. Uh-huh. This is Othello. Yeah, when they performed the actual opera in Miller Outdoor. Miller oh, Outdoor. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Well, you know what? Well, have we got a treat for you? We have got a couple of. Uh, uh, additional guests that are coming on to tell us about some different aspects of the guild. But before we do that, I've got a little treat for you here. And um, you all can, we've got uh, Julie Jackson, Casey Timmons, and you all can tell us at the end of this who our third uh, person is in this particular um number but they were absolutely wonderful and they came and performed at the highway church at our christmas concert Tasty, 
Okay, and we are back. We are absolutely back. And, you know, through the power of magic, through the power of magic, was it magic, Rebecca? It was. Soup. There we are. (laughs) Abracadabra. That's not, that's not, no, no. No, that's not Dr. Obi. We've got two more guild uh, um, representatives here. And can you introduce yourselves because they 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 are have different uh, functions that they're gonna that they're gonna uh, have with the gala this year. And on my, it always looks like it's to the left on that screen, but to my far right, introduce yourself, uh, please. My name is Bill Howard, William Howard. But everybody calls me Bill. Bill. Okay. Can we call you Bill? You can call me Bill. We can call you Bill. Hi, and, Bill. And Bill, <laughs> tell us tell us a little bit about what you do with the opera along with performing. Well, I am the chorus manager. Okay. Now, that's different from being like a chorus master. Okay. The uh, chorus master will be someone who would prepare the uh, chorus for the... Uh, for the uh, maestro, for the, okay. for the director. The chorus manager, it's more administrative. I have communication with the uh, the chorus members. I make sure everybody's aware of the schedule and uh, the information that they'll need. Okay, well, you now you know I gotta ask you this. I was gonna ask Dr. Obi, but I, but I think that it's more appropriate for me to ask you this. Okay. Have you ever had to referee two members, both of them who wanted to uh, perform a solo? <laughs> referee, no, uh, we're, we're very diplomatic about well, that's good, yeah, yeah. That, that's good because when you talk about performers, many times performers were they're artists and they like their performances and they feel that their performances merit being showcased. So, yeah. if you if you did have a situation like that, how do you resolve something like that? Because you all have got it's like such... the most talented one. <laughs> Well, you exactly. got so much talent. Exactly. Plus, we all like our own voices. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's my that's my point. So, so, but, but the thing about it is, it seems like there's such a there's such a harmony within the group, and with with so much talent there. How is it decided who's going to do what? By audition. Okay. And then the director will make the final selection. I, okay. And if if you have someone who is just great and they're always great, do they always get to do the solo? Not always, because we do have a lot of talent, as you yes. mentioned. We have uh, different people who can do and capable of uh, performing as uh, as needed. And you know what? With that in mind, switching over to Conductor McDaniel, because you all have different genres in the different galas that you have it may be more fitting for one person to do something than others. So tell us about um, how you guys go about selecting the genre of what's going to be performed for the galas every year. Well, we always start from what is the intended, you know, genre, what is the intended mood. And, and of course it's all, it's all celebratory. Yes. And we always want to obviously, embrace our culture of spirituals right. and also operatic repertoire. Love that. <laughs> so uh, this particular concert really does combine the spiritual aspect, but also the classical and the high art, if we, if you will, okay. of the voice and of uh, music in general and classical music. So 
with that in mind, like we do have music that is very much European sounding, particularly our Julia Perry piece. But then okay. you have something that is Ride the Chariot, you know, uh, which is a very more of a down south spiritual, spiritual yeah. gospel esque type of number. Okay. And uh, I work. I first worked with the group last uh, this past December. That was gonna be my next question. How long have you been with the? Yeah. So uh, since December, <laughs> uh, I started working with the group around, I guess, probably October, November. Uh, I was, you know, I prepared the chorus, chose the music, right. uh, and prepared the chorus, and then we had our performance in December. Okay. And you know, too much, you know, it was a fantastic time, and uh, everyone really had a phenomenal time. Audience, the singers, yes. alike. Uh, we did feature music from Among Night Visitors, which is an opera by Minotti, a Christmas uh, opera. Uh, and we also, you know, we had our spiritual at the very end, or oh, this really, you know, rousing number. Right. Um, we had acapella numbers. You know, it's a, a variety, something for everyone to enjoy. And that was the intention for this gala. Um, yeah. So how long did it take you guys to Put it to, put, to put it I, he was like, oh, I'm glad somebody asked me that one. <laughs> for our December concert or for this upcoming concert? Both. So, you know, with the music uh, chosen, you, right. you know, it can take, you know, it takes about, we have about six or seven rehearsals um, uh, planned. And, you know, every minute is That's important. That's fast. That's oh, yeah. fast. Oh, I yes. thought you were going to say, for each one of our performances, it takes six months for us to put that together. Mm. Wow. No, no, we have phenomenal uh, singers but, and, and yeah, musicians. Professionals. Professionals, so. you know, musicians. And I, you know, I want to really distinguish that word from singer from music. Like, there really are, you know, very capable musicians. Uh, you were going to say something, Bill? Or, no, um, no. Uh, I was going to say six to eight weeks yeah. normally. Okay, okay. That, yeah, that, now that's, that, that's, I breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief because that that, that sounds uh, much more feasible. Now, let me ask you this. I've often wondered um, this about groups such as the Guild. When you have people that leave the group for a certain reason, they may move out of town, they may have been transferred, and you have to fill certain seats. How do you all go about doing that? Do you have, do you have understudies? Well, not necessarily understudies, but we're constantly recruiting okay because okay. people as you mentioned they may go out of town right or uh, they may have uh, health issues yes so yes we're always recruiting and some of our singers have other things that they do you know exactly. other professional uh gigs and opportunities that they may need to right. uh you know go for and, and we understand that but yes it's always a, you know every to every group every yes. musical group you know it's always recruiting that's how we stay alive and current and you know and so so what are your recruiting mechanisms like how do you go about bringing talent how do people into... find out about well the recruiting aspect well i am a professional recruiter myself uh -huh. information okay. technology so i i have the skill and i just pretty much use the same talent that is by referrals you know okay who do you know right uh, and then just you know get on the phone and talk to some people and say well we're looking for this or that and you know do you know anyone who can do this particular voice we're looking for okay yes word of mouth and then also you know we invite people to our concerts obviously so there's always yes. usually talent within that audience that, oh i would love to be a part of that you know and that was for me you know as a as a young kid, you know, watching the guild, the guild as a kid, going to the operas and going to the concerts and say, that'd be really cool one day to be involved and 
Yeah, how you did, and I had a total did, op- opposite How did you know Alexander. I was going to ask you about that? Yes. Now, tell me, how did you become involved in opera? Um, I There was always music Because you house. are a young guy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, no. uh, sometimes my knees don't feel that way. I know that's uh, right. Come on, knees. I understand. <laughs> yeah. No, I, there was always music around the house, but yeah. not a lot of classical music. But I remember seeing things on TV. You're like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And when I was in middle school choir, took drill music and middle school choir, uh-huh. uh, I went on my own, uh, you know, I guess, journey of discovering what this, you know, this art form. So I remember going to the library uh, downtown right, and checking right. out the music and operas. And I checked out the music scores so I can read along and like, what are they singing? And I was a, a boy soprano. So uh, I've wow. imitated all yes. the sopranos, yes. uh, Leotine Price and and try to sing as high as they could in mm-hmm. my grandmother's home. And so that's how it started. So I, you know, so I just, just love. And Crystal. mind you, I have never seen an opera at that. Wow. Until I was in high, until my freshman year of high school. Crystal, you know, yes. it's a running theme from this year and last year. Every time we interview a singer from the opera guild, it's always, well, we had music in our home. We had music. Yes. Our, every yes. single singer so has the same you, background. And, you know, the thing about it is probably in African-American homes, that, that's not that's not um um unheard of right, probably, it's not but it's not necessarily opera right. like like we, we we both said but you know you can speak to this a little bit tell me tell me this because this is what we were just discussing when the other two members were up here mm-hmm. when you were in middle school was it uh, you didn't announce to your peers at school that i just love opera and i Oh, I did. That oh, was you did. Opposite. Oh, oh, you, oh, that's no, good. I was that's good. Un- unshameful about it. <laughs> that's and awesome. I always, I was the kid that had a music score in my hand. Yes. And like, oh my god, I, I so you this. knew early on that this very, was in. Yes. Very oh, very so. passionate about very, it. Very, very passionate about it. And then I was very blessed to have a phenomenal middle school choir teacher, and and told me about HSPBA. I applied, auditioned on my own, and got in. And and then from those wonderful teachers there just really immersed me into the art form by actually taking me to performances. Wow. And there was, you know, I went to see Rigoletto and Tannhäuser and Yennefer wow. uh, and all these great, these great operas uh, there. And I was the University of Houston, which is where what was my alma mater. So yes. that connection is always So important. those teachers press, pushed you in that direction. Of course. And let me, let me say this. Let me say this. <laughs> I knew it was because, coming. <laughs> because, yeah, because, yeah, you knew I was going to say that. Now, we have heard, uh, well, I won't touch on that right now. I will touch on it, but not right this second. But of late, um, we have heard uh, people say in different conversations that really, there's a, a huge lack of competent teachers in our public school system. So, right. yeah, we're not competent, okay? I'm a teacher, 17 years. She's a teacher, 10 Team. years, middle school teacher. Mm-hmm. But there are very few or, or little to no competent teachers. And, you know, when we hear things like that, that's very offensive to us. But one of my church members who just retired this year was a music teacher. And in, in this district... And one of the reasons that uh, she was told that her position was being phased out was because they only need that they only needed uh, those performing arts teachers on the 
on the upper school levels or the high school levels. But she said, but wait a minute. No, but she said, well, wait a minute. Who do you think is feeding Mm -hmm. those kids into those upper school programs? You know, it's not a, it's not a, that that doesn't happen in a vacuum. Right, right. So, and and, and you guys can speak to this, especially you being an educator yourself and being educated in music. We've also been told that the performing arts are are not essential to a child's education. Um, And that it's not needed. It's the only thing that's needed is academics and performing arts are just, it's not essential. It's not important. Didn't even understand why it's still in school. But that's, that's interesting. And I'm going to let him answer that question, but that's interesting because at the very uh, beginning, of uh, everybody our, looks disgusting. Yeah, when at, I at, the very, at the very beginning of mm-hmm. our year this year, we had a grand performance mm-hmm. of a musical over at uh, NRG mm-hmm. that was rehearsed for many weeks and uh, and and presented. So that is, uh, you know, uh, somehow I'm not re- I'm not relating that together as, as being something that's that's co- a cohesive statement because. Performing arts, it's it's what's gotten some people through university and uh, and uh, post sec, uh, post uh, baccalaureate studies, you know, and that's been a huge part of our culture as Americans performing arts, mm-hmm. music. You, you know, I'm actually going to uh, TMEA, Texas Music Education Association, uh, tomorrow and Friday, mm-hmm. and one of the first sessions they talk about is how many students that are involved in band, orchestra, choir, uh, achieve very high scores on the SAT, ACT. They absolutely do. It teaches teamwork. Discipline. Discipline. You know, something that you have to practice for. Right. Learning the art of I, you know, I hate to use this word failure. We have to learn how to fail and get back up and try again. And we do it over and over. And polite competition. And polite competition. Because you're not going to get every audition you that's right. that you it came out for. Resilient. That's right. <laughs> Moving some, Bill. Moving okay. some. I want to make sure that you stay in the in the in the frame there. Yeah, <laughs> almost out of the frame. But Bill, with you being a recruiter. And um, and you talking to uh, adults and and you recruiting for something that's that's absolutely completely removed from from music. But it's also a discipline, uh, also an area that takes a lot of discipline. How do you see the likeness between people um, being successful in a technical field like that and the, the discipline that it takes to perfect a, a craft? like you recruit for and what has to happen for a performer to be um, proficient? Well, um, what I was going to say is in regard to like some information technology, uh, I know that a lot of uh, companies don't necessarily look for computer science or math majors, but music. Really? Music has a lot of logic. Uh, That's my point. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that is a, it's a very helpful skill. You know, and music. it makes sense because in order for you to have a perfect piece, everything has to fit together. Correct. <laughs> so what can we expect from this year's gala? So, Conductor McDaniel, <laughs> what can we expect? I spent quite a, to- uh, quite a bit of time putting 
programs together and figuring out what worked for this gala. And one of the pieces I was very passionate about um, is called the Stabat Mater okay. by Julia Perry. And even, and I just realized merely days ago that this is a Julia Perry year in music because she was born in 1924. Wow. So her 100th yes. year. Oh, wow. And the piece was written uh, very early in her uh, early in her life when she was 27. Wow. And it was, uh, I guess you could almost call it almost a school project, but I would, wouldn't dare deem it so because yes. it's a phenomenal masterpiece, early masterpiece of hers. The Her work, uh, I only heard about in only maybe around the pandemic where we had wow. a lot of social justice right. issues. And so a lot of music organizations were promote were promoting a lot of music of African, you know, of African American uh, people of color. Exactly. And this piece came up and I was like, oh my God, I would love to do this piece one day. And so it came time for the gala. And of course, Stava Mata means, you know, the mother of Christ, the, right. stand, uh, sit, uh, standing or sitting or watching Jesus being crucified. This is right. from her perspective. So it's a very, very deep and a very deep uh, uh, subject and a very serious subject. Um, and so I thought this would be a wonderful centerpiece among among the other pieces that we have programmed, uh, spiritual, traditional spirituals by living and non-living non-living uh, non composers. Yes, and some solos uh, by by art songs uh, by composers, uh, African American composers. Okay, so we know that it's coming up. The gala this year is coming up on Sunday, February the twenty fifth, twenty twenty four, at four p.m. at um, Westbury United Methodist Church, and the tickets are thirty-five dollars. Thirty-five dollars, um, and uh, is there a, a, a discounted rate for for students or groups? Can groups come, and uh, or do they need to call? Do they need to call the uh, the uh, office and get more information for group pricing, or is think, everything pretty standard? I think the group pricing is uh, thirty dollars. Yes. Okay, so groups of 10 or more, um, $30 per person. Right. So that's a nice outing, Rebecca. So if you want to grab your church members, grab your, your girlfriends, go out to brunch, mm -hmm. and then and then have um, an, an operatic experience that afternoon, that's a perfect place to do that and possibly experience something you haven't experienced right. before. We're coming almost to the close of our show, but this particular um, gala is dedicated. It's a special dedication for this one. And tell us, Bill, a little bit about what that dedication is. Well, this uh, uh, program is going to be dedicated to our former, uh, our, our now uh, dearly departed mm -hmm. uh, chair, uh, Miss Mary Gillard. Correct. To her memory, yes, because Mary was very instrumental in um, the functioning and the, the life of the Gill after yes. the uh, departure of uh, uh, Dr. Robert Henry. She picked up that torch. She did. She carried and just it. just carried it forward all Absolutely. these years. Mm -hmm. And this is, I don't want to say a trivia, but this is something that actually came to mind for me. Can, can, can one of you tell me the age of the youngest person? in the guild and the oldest performer in the guild. Because when I say it does span those generations, it spans generations. 
I don't know the uh, the age of the youngs, but I would say somewhere in the twenties. Like yeah, yeah, I've seen twenties. Wow. Yeah, I've seen twenty year olds. Wow. Yeah, some of my church members, I've seen twenty year olds. Yeah, there. the oldest that would be me. No, I'm not. <laughs> we have a member I know is uh, maybe a couple years old, and he's seventy one. Wow. wow, that is that is awesome. So this is a this is a a a genre and a a, a group that. Uh, you have no limitations as far as as um, as as age and 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 will and desire to perform and to give that gift back to the community because certainly certainly the guild has been a gift to the Houston community for all these years. Yes, and also as far as the youth, we have had some uh, college students to yes. perform with too. Really? Yes. Right. Now I, I remember you and TSU. Yes, because I remember last year we had Melissa to come in, Dightman, mm -hmm. and she uh I think that maybe she conducted the uh Christmas no um the uh the uh spring the spring was it Juneteenth? It was the Juneteenth. No, the, she actually performed she right. Yeah, she 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 sure did. Okay, yes, I remember that. And 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 she was wonderful and she works with the with the, the young groups down there right. so um and, and you love to see you love i i love to see um a, a genre being uh lifted up lifted up and preserved continuation of yes. the art a absolutely exactly. yes. and with you all and i'm looking right here we've got generations we've got generations with the guild sitting right here with us and you represent what we want it to always continue to be if you could give us a last word, Bill, about what we should expect on the 25th, give us a last word, and then I'll let you give us the last word. Well, I believe you're going to hear some tremendous singing. Uh, you're going to hear some music you may have heard before, but hopefully performed in a manner that uh, at a higher level than you've ever heard. Yes. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. Okay. Two words. Conductor McDaniel. Two words. Tell black, us those two words. Black excellence. Oh. Black excellence. Yes. I absolutely love it. <laughs> and Rebecca, what do you want to tell us? Are we going to be there? Yes, we're going to be there. And we're speaking, absolutely going to be there. And speaking of the arts, I just want to send just a little shout out to my goddaughter, Savannah Roundtree. She is actually doing the murals for Meyerland Middle School. She's drawing and painting the murals for Meyerland. And she entered a contest with uh, 30 other kids. And she beat all 30 kids, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. That's, that's so, awesome. So the arts are important. The arts are important. It's important Very to fund important. the arts. It's important to, to make sure that we are upholding arts teachers. Yes. Yes. And um, I know that you are in a district that really supports, supports the arts. And that's very important because um, what is America without performing arts? So, Rebecca Williams, Bill Howard, conductor Gregory McDaniel, thank you guys so much, so much for coming in. And of course, our other guests, Dr. Jason Ovi and Patricia Gregory for coming in. I cannot wait until February the 25th at 4 o'clock. 4 p.m. At, at 4 p.m. at Westbury United Westbury Methodist Church. Church, the 2024 annual african-american music gala presented by the houston ebony opera guild we will see you then and as we say every week rebecca we, we can, can do, do it, it. see Bye, you later guys. thank you for having us for having us on the